Hey, what's going on? It's the Manfuse Podcast. I am Kay Lee, your host, audio producer, voice artist, my co-host, Ben H., real estate broker. So today we continue our conversation with Jason Lyle. Jason is one of the founders of AIR, Adventures in Recovery, where he helps and takes people out who have experienced extreme trauma, maybe suffering from addiction, and brings them out into nature using cold water therapy, meditation, and much more. So today he's going to outline what cold water therapy actually does for our bodies. What's the benefit of cold water therapy? What could it do for you? Hang out, we're going to tell you. I would think some people's first instinct would be to get the fuck as far away from maybe the type of church you were in or they're selling hell more than they are heaven. Mm -hmm. Anything you do outside of what they, you know, deem as the way God wants you to be, you're going to have guilt mm. about it. Mm -hmm. right. Which is a tool that's used by the church to right. keep you loyal. Well, and I it's mean, funny guilt too and because shame and well, you're selling salvation, so well, you're selling. And it's the also, and yeah. I'm not yeah. sure if I have what kind of church, but some of the most evil motherfuckers out there, hundreds of years ago or whatever, killing, mass murdering. I mean, how many people have died in the name of God? You know, doing everybody. God's work. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, most everybody, most every war, even current day, has a religious basis to it. You know, when I was in Iraq for a couple of years and got to talk to a lot of people there as an interrogator, and people say, this is not a religious war. I say, it is a religious war because they think it is. So whether you think it's a religious war or not, if the people that you're fighting think it's a religious war, then it is. Mm -hmm. Because they are living and dying, and so are you living and dying from their perspective upon the you belief know, system. Inshallah, which means God's will. And so every conflict, everything, I mean, when you look back at the history of how the Vatican was created and how the Vatican Bank was created, you know, a lot of things happened in the 1500s, man, that really changed the course of religion, changed the course of history, and changed the course of our idea about God. And, you know, we talk about it a lot with Matt, how the world changed from a 432 hertz to 430 hertz frequency. We so, were talking about old ancient structures, mm -hmm. and uh, because we were very fascinated by ancient aliens and, and yeah. a lot of that stuff. And well, when history. we look at ancient structures like ancient churches, for example, that were built prior to the 1500s, most of them are in Europe, mm -hmm. but we even see some in America, which is hard to explain because in 1492, apparently Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Mm -hmm. But we can find structures in our current day cities that seem to predate that mm -hmm. and seem to be designed and built potentially by the same architect and with similar materials as a lot of the structures that we find in Europe. But nonetheless, the windows on these cathedrals, and they have these elaborate windows, which if you put a sound wave and water under a microscope and you play the frequency of the organ that's inside the church, mm -hmm. you can see that the sound frequency creates a pattern in the water which matches the oh, that's pretty cool. window on yeah. the church. I'll show you some of that when we get off. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And a gentleman we had on a week or two ago knew a lot about it because he does a lot of research into that kind of thing and so do i but a lot changed in the 1500s and this had a lot to do with the roman empire mm -hmm. 
and how they changed things and how they removed many books, mm -hmm. including the Book of Enoch, mm -hmm. uh, which is a very important book mm -hmm. uh, from the Bible. And mm -hmm. that's where we get the New Testament from. Or not the New Testament, but the King James Version, mm -hmm. right? Anyway, yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, so the church, you know, tries to keep you in this one line. Well, look at the witch trials. I mean, sure. I mean, who the hell burns a beautiful woman? A lot. <laughs> I mean, what kind of thing is that to even watch? We come from a brutal, brutal world. Yeah. I mean, and religion is, a lot of it has been done in the name of religion. Exactly. Yeah. In the name of God or in the name of religion. I mean, our money has it. I mean, like everything is painted with a brush of religion. It really is. Like the brush of religion. And so you growing up in that, I, I didn't. Uh, ben, I know you said you went to the church and you used to go. I just, yeah, being in that line and then going into that business. Well, let me, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of an answer to your question. If you think about it long enough, I knew something was missing in me. I, I'm pretty open about that, or I felt like something was missing in me. But somehow, from a very early age, I knew that spirituality was real. Right. I read the Bible through for the first time when I was eight years old. Wow. So I, and when I sat in church when I was a child, I listened, I paid attention, I served the church. I mean, I sang in choir, I went to youth group, I did, I did everything. Boy Scouts, RAs, the whole thing. Something in me knew that the spiritual path was the right path, and I still believe that to this day but what <laughs> going to seminary to be fair and i don't know that i you know at the time i would have said oh this is why i'm going i thought okay well surely these guys have the answers and there's all kind of stories i could tell you about you know how divine inspiration came into my life i mean just crazy phone calls i would get out of nowhere that mm -hmm. i shouldn't have gotten just things that i know for a fact that's what this is what i'm supposed to be doing my gotcha. life right i go to seminary thinking okay well here's going to be some answers and so i remember going i'm like hey look i'm cool with your view on the bible I'm cool with your view on the church. I'm cool with all that. Just explain to me why. Just let's let's talk this out. Give me give me some intellectual information, right? I need to know this. And I remember I was about two semesters in, and I was sitting in hermeneutics class. And hermeneutics is the study of the Bible. And the professor says, if Paul, the apostle Paul, were alive, he couldn't pass my class. And I remember when I was walking out the door, I thought, son of a bitch, they don't know either. Mm. Like they don't know. And then I realized something else, brother. I, 126 hours is how many hours my degree was. Right. And one hour was personal spiritual disciplines. One. Wow. So I knew without a shadow i'm like man this can't be right either and so in this process i start traveling to uganda and seeing the rest of the world i went to india i went to germany i went to greece i mean i, I spent time on mount athos with the monks in greece i mean i've done all kind of cool. things right so i knew the essence of spirituality was real right i just knew that my medium for looking at that was not and so i'm yeah. trying to dismantle that and even in church you can go back i mean my sermons are still online i can go back from 2014-15 and talking about you know the king of God is here right now, not some far off other place. And you can create heaven or hell for yourself here right now. So that's very controversial in the evangelical world to even say those things, right? So I was already on a path of saying, hey, and that's why we had church in a barn. It's like, I don't want to be religious. I don't want to be religious. I want to be real. That's what I want to be. And I want to be alive. And I knew that involves spirituality. And we can get to this, you know, later, but that's where yoga came in. That's where nature came in. I've always, went. I mean, I remember being five years old and laying out in the woods for hours by myself. You know, I mean, I've loved the woods and always have. It's always been a part of my life. Yeah, Ben's a big outdoors. And we've had many conversations about, you know, raising our kids uh, and the yeah. importance of being in the outdoors, you know, and being outside and not, you know, behind your phone.
phone or, you know, and being unplugged. And Because you know, if you read what I read, here's the thing. We are not going outdoors. We are outdoors. Right. That's we right. are made up of the same shit that it's made out. We are not made out of sheetrock and wood. We're not made out of this stuff. We are right. made out of Earth. the same thing that nature is made out of. So when we enter nature, we're not going into some foreign something. We're right. actually going into what we're made to be in. We're going home. Going home. I take a group of guys elk hunting every year in September. We go to Colorado, hike into the back country. Cool. We're looking at 13,000 foot go. peaks all over. Come Can on. Can I go this well, year? No. Yeah. no well, <laughs> I really want to not, go. Not to get you off course, but Jason, tell Ben, because you and I have been in communication. You've been gone for the last three weeks. Yeah, I just got Explain home. to Ben what you've been doing, because it's pretty epic. Yeah, we left Atlanta, went to Bentonville, Arkansas, mountain bike for two days. Went Dang. from Bentonville to Durango, Colorado, mountain bike for two days. Went from Bentonville to Zion National Forest and climbed for two days. And then we ended up in Yosemite National Park, and we climbed in Yosemite. Where was I? Uh, I should be there. <laughs> he These are the kind me, of things that I want to do. He was sending me, and I told him, but like when we spoke on the phone, and we were like, all right, you're going to be back at this point. I said, feel free to send me photos <laughs> yeah. as you progress and he did he sent me these gangster just beautiful photos of the shit he was doing i was like fuck <laughs> i was like yeah beautiful. i mean that, I, that's incredible i'm here i'm here in atlanta no it's really incredible too i mean because as we look more into let's say the earth right and space and the atmosphere and these kinds of things you know we realize how it was made specifically for us and it's of supreme design. And for me personally, I can say that about five years ago, I was having a very difficult time and I still have a tough time, but I mean, it was really brutal. And so I sought out someone who, you know, was doing like spiritual ceremonies and things of this nature, not religious, but spiritual. Yeah. And it was out in the middle of the woods mm. in the jungle, you know, and I went down there for a week and it just changed my whole perspective on everything. It completely opened my mind. And as Chris alluded to, I've always been into getting out into nature. I agree with everything that you said. And I think that there's a big difference between religion and spirituality. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that you keep saying spiritually and spirituality and things like that over religion because you can have religion, but all this killing and all this war and all this everything, it's all done in the name of religion. So then what is religion? Because certainly it wasn't what the God that I pray to intended yeah that's feel, a fact i feel like religion is spirituality with money attached to it it's man's incarnation right i just told someone yesterday as soon as you monetize spirits that's the reason why adventures in recovery nobody's ever paid for a trip that we're all donation based that people want to give they can give and we we fulfill our budget every year but not a single guy that goes on these trips pay because when you monetize somebody's spiritual life you remove the essence of what the spiritual life is supposed to be even in christianity we follow a man that they call jesus jesus goes into the temple and cleans the temple out because they're making money off of spirituality and so at your point is if religion is what it is, it is a group of people who come together to live life together. And that's a beautiful thing. That yes. community is a beautiful thing. I believe in the Christian community. I can't think of a single catastrophe that happened in my life that the church was not present and loved on me and my family. The church has been present for every bad thing that's happened in my life. But the second that you say, hey, and by the way, if you really love the Lord, you tithe. Right. If you really love the Lord, you serve the church. 
if you really love the Lord, that's where it gets, you have this man who gets a paycheck based off of everybody else's desire to attach to God. And that's just bullshit. It's a business. Yeah. So yeah. call it, that's one thing I love about a couple, I won't call the names, but bigger churches around this area, they're very upfront by saying, hey, we're a business. Right. That's what we're doing. We're if you're talking about Andy Stanley, I love him. Yeah, yeah. man. And like, he's very I, honest about it. Yeah. And I feel like when he does ask for, you know, like, what do you uh, say? Offering time. Yeah. Giving. Yeah. Well, he just straight asked, hey, if you can make a donation, great. This yeah. is what we're trying to do. We're yeah. trying to raise $7 million. So we could buy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he does that. No, he, did, he does. Uh, He's yeah. like, we need $7 mil. And then when they <laughs> needed more, he was like, the ground Ooh. in Buckhead is very costly. Right. And it is. It was $30 million. You remember that pitch? Were yeah. we in there together? Yes, we were. Yeah, we were there together. We were and like, Andy Stanley rolled I was out. Like, po- I was like hitting my pockets. How they like, needed I don't got $32 nothing, dude, million or something like that for the Buckhead church. But they raised it. But I think what they do for the area, and I I grew up in like a, I mean, it was a Jewish, but not really Jewish. You know, we kind of practiced the the Christmas and, and all that stuff. But I love Andy Stanley's church. I love his messages. I love him as a communicator. And I love how non-judgmental they, I don't know if they've always been this way and if his dad was kind of like this, but it's just like, everybody's welcome. If you don't want to turn your life over to Jesus Christ, at least sit for the message and hopefully be a better person is what I get out of it. Yeah. 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 Can I shift gears just a yeah, second? Yeah, sure. Okay, because I know you I might have a timeline or whatever. No, but I mean, whatever. when I um I was working in wilderness therapy and in wilderness therapy as a field guide, I would spend eight days in the woods with a group of kids and then I would be six days at home, then eight days in the woods and six days at home. So I was living out in the woods with these kids and these kids were um you know, they were rough. They were on a rough go of it. They're uh, you know, fifteen, sixteen years old, and I just recognized over half of them were represented by the adoption community. Interesting. And I'm like, that is very interesting. Right. What do, what do you mean by that? They have been adopted. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Over so, half gotcha. of them. Probably better than half. And and most of them internationally, right? Some Russians and some maybe Costa Rica. I don't, I don't want to quote the countries, but South America. And so one night we come in and, and uh, you know, my life was just a wreck, man. I mean, just a wreck. I was no longer the church, obviously. And, you know, from all my troubles with that. And, and this name Rob Gent comes walking in. And if you listen to my podcast, you may have heard this story. And he starts talking about uh, attachment trauma and pre-verbal trauma. And I'm sitting there listening to this guy. I'm like, man, this guy's reading my mail. And so he goes, <laughs> he says, are any of you guys adopted? And I raised my hand and he said, I want to ask you something. He said, uh, if I told you I love you, I care for you and I want what's best for you, what's the first word that comes to your mind? And I said, bullshit. And he said, exactly. He said, and then he explained to me, he said, that is because when you experience any sort of rejection, your prefrontal cortex disconnects from your lower brain. And he said, you can't be rational because he's explaining to us why the kids in the field are irrational. He said, when you have preverbal trauma, anything around rejection your rational brain can't compute it. It just goes offline because, at, to your point, when we're that little, all we have is an amygdala and a brainstem. That's all we have. Right. We have fight, flight, freeze. That's it. That's all we have. We don't have rational brain at all. Right. So that's where the trauma sticks. So I call this guy. I'm like, man, like you read my mail. I <laughs> shared my whole life with him. And he goes, oh, first of all, you need to know. He said, you're not a bad person, man. You're a great person. I, I mean, I told him everything, right? The good, bad, ugly, and it was ugly. Yeah. And he said, let me give you some tools. And he said, uh, I want 
want you to get in ice cold water. And he said, like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> he said, he said, have you ever heard of Wim Hof? I'm like, yeah. He said, I want you to get in ice cold water. He said, I want you to do some holotropic breathing. He said, follow Wim Hof. He said, I want you to do some meditation. And he said, I want you to do some yoga. And he explained to me about regulating my central nervous system. It was October 19th of 2021. I took my first ice bath and it was not, not immediate, but it was almost immediate to where the transformation, my wife could come on here and even tell you, you know, uh, just that spiritual life that I had looked for my entire life. I can't, I think it was Rumi who said, I searched for God in the synagogues and churches and found God in the ultimate place. And that's me. And he also said, I searched for myself and found only God. And I searched for God and found only myself. Right. Mm, so it's like wow. this, this inner thing that I found, and that's where Adventures in Recovery birthed out of. So I went and did my 200-hour awesome. yoga cert and um, did my Wim Hof certification. And so, yeah, there's an ice bath sitting on my back porch. I was in it this morning. That's so, awesome. Uh, and we both did a program called 75 Hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then phase two of that program after you complete it, whenever you decide to do it, was you needed to, you know, cold water therapy was part of the deal mm-hmm. on a daily basis. I would imagine if hearing your story and hearing you say that, that if you had a problem with substance abuse and addiction um whether it be alcohol or drugs or whatever that cold water could almost probably be the relief and the addiction like your day probably isn't as good if you don't dip in that yeah here's kind of what happens right so you were talking a minute ago about going to the jungle right and uh, the spiritual ceremonies there what those spiritual ceremonies do is give you access to part of your brain you don't normally have access yes that's called your pineal gland right it's the very tiny gland that's at the very end of your brain stem and and if you've ever watched any youtube stuff it's called the spirit molecule you can find that dimethyltryptamine dimethyltryptamine that's right and it's produced in that area of your brain so here's the thing fires when we're born and when we die that's right so when you're born and you have pre-verbal trauma it's stuck Mm. in that pineal gland and it's stuck in the limbic system and so the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system think of them as the gas and the brake fight or flight freeze and fall right there's up and down up and down and so when you go to these ceremonies that you're talking about you access into that very spirit center of who you are as a human yes and cold water water over and over and over. So when I go into cold water, my rational brain goes offline, my irrational brain comes online, and all it says is, get, get out, out of here, what are you doing? But under my own fruition, I go, no, 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 I'm going to sit here. That's like, right. I'm going to stay here with this. And I close that prefrontal cortex back down over and over and over and over. It's just like going to the gym. It's you're just like going it. running, you're just training it. Until now you're winning a negotiation. Now you're not even in negotiation anymore yeah. because the lower brain doesn't need to negotiate. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it works for PTSD as well. I'm assuming that's you talked about being Iraq interrogation. So I'm assuming that's part of what that is. That's why it works. The, all that trauma sticks in your autonomic nervous system. So when people will say, God, I act this way and I don't know why. So it's because it's stuck in your autonomic nervous system. It happens automatically. Auto. It right. takes a long time too, man. And I mean, it's not something that just, well, for me anyways, that, oh, it's just solved. You know, no. it's like now I have tools that I can use. But it's up to me to use the tools. That's right. And, you know, you get stuck back in that vicious cycle where, for me, I haven't gotten in cold water in probably two weeks now. And you're reminding me right now that I haven't. Yeah. And I'm like, why have I not gotten in? How has it been two, three weeks and I haven't even gotten in cold water? Yeah. But you don't realize it. And then you get back into that, that, those nasty cycles and those areas of your mind open back up Mm -hmm. and it's consistency is so important. Well, it's usually when you have addictive behavior, right? You're, 
you're you're taking an internal problem and you want to bring an external solution. Right. Right. So that could be your cell phone. That could be methamphetamine. That could be heroin. That could be alcohol. That could be food. That could be a person. That could be sex. That could be whatever the nine million things different are. The root is the same. I'm trying to take something external and fix an internal problem. But this is where spirituality comes in. It's not an external solution. It is an internal solution. And that internal solution, this drives people nuts when I say this, that I work with is choice. You just said it choice. I have to choose to get my ass up at 5.30 a.m., go to my mat. I do poses for 20 minutes. I meditate for 20 minutes. I breathe. I do three rounds of breathing. I go straight upstairs into the ice bath. I flop over in that thing. Doesn't matter if I've had to chip ice off the top of it before to get in. Mm -hmm. I get in. I was in Yosemite. I got in the river. My buddy Drew has a picture. There's snow melt a hundred yards away. And they're like, you're crazy. It's like, no, no. No, I'm not. I'm I'm far from crazy. You fuckers are crazy for sitting up there on the bank, right? I'm down here where you're getting sane, right? That's right. And that moment of choice creates the ability to go, and now, when that shit fires off inside of me, for you, PTSD, for me, pre-verbal trauma, for other people, it could be molestation, it could be nine million things, you're able to go, oh, wait a minute, I can catch that, capture it, and and bring it back down. There's a beautiful verse that Jesus, I think it's Jesus, says this. No, it's not Jesus, it's Paul. says, take every thought captive and make it obedient. Then Paul also says, and the church looks over this, it's, it's crazy. Paul also says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. Yes. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night and starts asking him questions. And Jesus goes, listen, quit asking me all that. If you really want to see the kingdom of God, you got to be born again. Well, the church turned that into something you can sell. That's right. Well, yeah. If you want to get saved, come to church. Jesus does not mean anything like that. And anybody no. wants to debate that, I'll debate it. He means you need to walk into every moment of your life as if you've never seen it before. Yes. And the only mm. way you can do that is through meditation, through nervous system work. And Jesus taught that. Very clearly taught it, that. It's so interesting. Plant medicine, too. I mean, mushrooms are very effective. Like, like very psilocybin. Effective. Mm-hmm is very effective at, at that fresh look. Whether it's a micro or a macro dose, it can provide that space Lights as up well. the pineal gland, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. absolutely. Well, and it's an amazing experience to see your life through fresh eyes because all of a sudden you realize how beautiful you are and how ego. beautiful your family is and how beautiful and divine everything currently is. And it's almost like a song where your life is almost like this beautiful song or this beautiful tapestry. And you're literally in the middle of the song. And it's just like, oh my gosh, wow. And so then all of a sudden it creates this level of gratitude and appreciate. And I remember those moments. I remember all those moments. Mm-hmm. They're recorded and I go back to those places whenever I need to, but it's also fleeting Mm -hmm. because we deal with the stimulus Mm -hmm. on a consistent basis Mm -hmm. and we don't know what to believe. You know, is it the church? Is it the Bible? Is it Jesus? Was Jesus even a real person? I mean, all these things which, oh, you can't say that. Okay, well, it's just a question. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we don't really know. I mean, you don't know anything that you haven't seen, right? right? So we sure, we have written history. That's why I love architecture so much, because architecture tells a story that written history does not tell. Right. And it's real Mm -hmm. and it was built Mm -hmm. and it's still there. And we can look at it and go, what is that? Yeah. What were they thinking when they built that? When I read history about when that thing was built, it doesn't say anything about the level of sophistication that that structure requires. Yeah. Because we don't even build like that now. I don't even know if we can. We probably can. 
but we don't. We don't, right. Well, I mean, some things, as we discussed in last week's episode uh, with Matthew LaCroix, is these ancient structures. Like, we don't have the technology to move 100,000 ton blocks. We don't even have the machinery. So how the fuck were they doing it? What did they know that we don't? And we're supposedly the most advanced civilization? Bullshit. Yeah. Like, there's, you know, maybe in some capacity but not well, others and, and what is the sky and what is the earth and what mm. are the stars and and what is the sun i mean everything that we know that we're taught in school they don't teach us that this is a theory right this is the best theory that we have this is the best theory this that is the got. one we're running with. this is the <laughs> one we're running with there's a lot of different options here but you're being taught the one that we agree on most yeah that's mainstream we're not taught that we're taught this is a fact it's true. And anybody that says anything other than this is lying. And it's through education and it's through religion and it's through all these different mediums where there are ultimately power structures. And dollar bills. You know? At the, at a lot of dollar bills. Lot. But in the woods, in nature, it's God. It's only what is exists. It's what's real. All that stuff isn't even real. Maybe it is. I mean, what is it? Yeah. We don't even know what it is. But to your point, in nature, man... That's a hundred percent truth. There's no lies out there. And what you're talking you know? about is symbiosis, right? So when you talk about psilocybin a minute ago, it's the reason why therapy, psilocybin, some of those other things work, but there's also work to go in after because yes. you gotta carry that forward, right? Yes. What's well, a symbiotic relationship? And symbiosis simply means everything's connected. Yes. There's nothing unconnected. So we look at the sun, we go, well, that's the sun, but the sun is actually me and I'm actually it. We look yes. at the sky, we go, well, that's the sky, but it's it's actually all part of what what we are. That's right. Um, so when we interweave ourselves into nature and we leave our cell phone in the truck, that's funny. I take guys out on a trip. That's the first thing we know. Are we going to have service? Like, no, you're not going to have service nope. by design, right? But when we do that, we start going, wait a minute, man. I'm pretty small in the grand scheme of things. That's right. Oh, yeah. It's funny you said so. Yeah, I, like, I just pictured when you said that. Are we going to have service? You take their cell phone and bash it with a hammer. <laughs> like, right, right there. Like, like, if you had to depict that in a movie or something, that's exactly what your character would do. Or a We're commercial, just, you know? Yeah, like, just, are you like, yeah, hand me your cell phone. Let me let me switch to analog and then just bash it into a million pieces and hand it back to him. You could have like a Hillary Clinton mask on. Uh, I'm I mean, just what? kidding. <laughs> you know what? It's funny you say that because I got the opportunity and, and I guess you could say I had some technology with me, but I had the opportunity to go on this extreme adventure where I met six, seven dudes in uh, Juneau, Alaska. Mm-hmm. We um, suited up and we hopped on these modified jet skis and we went uh, from Juneau, Alaska, 550 miles to Prince Rupert, British Columbia in five days. Mm. Now we ported every day and we stayed at a hotel, but being on that jet ski that close... I mean, you can't get closer to the water Mm -hmm. than that jet ski. And and traveling. I mean, we had humpback whales just coming up all around us. I mean, killer whales. I mean, they could take us out in any second. I'm I'm almost idling trying not to be on the back of one of these humpback whales. Going through these ice fields into the uh, Lacante Glacier. Mm -hmm. And just, I mean, it was... It was as close to God as I've ever, like spiritually, I've ever felt in my life. I mean, granted, we did have some technology. We had the ability to, you know, had an engine that take us. But still, I mean, being amongst those mountains and you're on the water. I mean, you are subject. I mean, the jet ski might provide you the ability to go faster, but 
you still could be taken out at any moment. It's, you know, my... Man, listen, you take a guy out to Collegiate Peaks Wilderness area, you put his pack on his back, you hike him in Colorado, five or six miles, you're sitting by a glacier lake, you're looking up at 13-foot peaks, they got a little bit of snow on top of them, the high meadows are green, and all of a sudden you hear a bull elk bugle from about 200 yards off. If that does not bring chills and tears to somebody's face they're just what not I alive I it's, want to go. it's just this immersed ability to be i mean when we came through the is that threatening i'm sorry for my ignorance no, no it's just amazing or is that yeah. in a beautiful sound it's just uh, all of a sudden you're just like what is that man it sounds like <laughs> something from a, another what? planet yeah. sounds like like a fucking dinosaur like that kind of like yeah it's just a real moment you okay. know what i mean you're just well, like i don't know if like should just i be like, scared yeah <laughs> you're a little scared you're a little excited you feel like a kid again you know Man, life to... looks brand new with that life's brand new yeah right out of the package really you know yeah, what it I mean? sounds amazing everything's yeah. brand new you love your wife more <laughs> you love your house more you love your kids that more instant. you love your problems more yeah. <laughs> we, we <laughs> all in that same moment <laughs> <laughs> we walked up on a uh, elk carcass um a few years ago and uh, i had two guys with me and we walked into the woods and i'm looking at this thing laying on his side and i could see the antlers sticking up on one side i'm like that elk is either bedded down or he's dead so i pull up my binoculars i look and he's been disemboweled I'm like oh, he's dead and so we walk in and i turn alert to the guys with me i said watch out for bears boys i no more got it out of my mouth and they started just coming down out of the trees and there was bear shit everywhere with blueberries in it and i start i'm like oh that's not good and i try and look and my buddy is already gone and he's the one with the gun he's just running oh, franklin gosh. if you're listening oh to you're this, seeing you know bears talking. come down Oh, yeah, they're in the trees, man. They're coming down. And he's and the guy with the gun? He's the guy with the gun. They just left me in there, which it, bears don't really bother me hardly at all. But I just remember that moment of going, I am so tiny, man. Like, yeah. I am. I, I walked up on a mama moose and her calf last year. Right. And all I had in my hand was a, a, a bugle, uh, it, which is kind of like a wiffle ball yeah. bat. And my buddies are behind me, and I just keep walking toward her, like, what are you doing? I'm like, what? Either she's got to move or we do. So I start beating this bugle tube on my leg and she walks off. But those moments, man, you just realize, like, I'm there's nothing alpha about me. She could have called over and just mutilated me. I can't run from her. I can't right. do anything. She just killed me. But, yeah. but at the same time, I want to be close to that. That's right. I don't want to run from that. Yeah. I want to be up on that, man. So if you decided to run, would it have probably chased you? An elk or a moose? Yeah. No, huh? No, okay. No. But but you stood your ground. You're like, you know what? I think I can get this thing to move. Yeah, I mean, it was. It really wasn't even any thought going into it. It's just like being captivated into that moment. They're like, like the man, we're with Crocodile Dundee right now. <laughs> no, no, I'm not gonna wrestle him. <laughs> I think I think he. Have you seen that movie? He's Crocodile Dundee. Like, Holy shit! Bears, elk. Yeah, that's right. Is he Bugles. Bear Grylls? Are we out here with Bear Grylls? Yeah, it's just a really cool thing. It to, really to, is a thunderstorm in the spring. I said that in the in the writing. We just came back from a trip from Adventures in Recovery back in uh, May. And we woke up one morning and it's just, I mean, guys, only as Georgia can do, thunder and lightning and mm. it struck right down the valley. And I'm up under the tarp doing yoga, just laughing, man. I I'm love like, that. like, what What am I going to do? I'm yeah. going to run? Right. Like, but in that moment, you just feel this power. Oh, it's so cool. You're like, what am I? 
Whatever. I'm like a flea on a German shepherd's Absolutely. back. I can be flicked off at any moment, and it just makes you so alive, man. It's that illusion of control that nature takes away from you. There's no security of any well, kind. The only control like, we have in our entire lives, brothers, is our choices. That's yeah. it. Other than that, we don't have any. Until you can't make the choice anymore because yeah. it's taken away from you. Yeah. The that's ability still a to choice. Do so. That's still yeah. a choice, though, how you respond to it. Right. You read a book by a guy named Abraham Heschel. He was, uh, um, nope, that's not the right name. I'll think of it in a minute. Danielle Steele? No, he, he was in a he was in a Nazi concentration camp, and he talks about choosing to be happy, choosing to love his oppressors, choosing to not let that be what defined him was being, and he lived through it. I'll, so I'll Victor remember. Victor Frankel, yeah, yes, man's Victor search Frankel. for meaning. Yes. Yeah, it's awesome. But the, the, yeah, he's it's an amazing, amazing guy. Yeah. So, how often do you do these uh, retreats, adventures? How often are you taking people out uh, into the wilderness and into nature? What, so we did four this spring. We did two for guys in recovery, one for dads who had lost teenage sons to mm. to death, and then we have one leaving for, for guys in recovery tomorrow morning. Actually, they'll meet me at the trailhead, and we're headed out. Then we'll take off the summer. We really don't do a whole lot over the summer because it's, it's so too hot, hot. yeah, yeah. Um, so and how many people will be with you six six is that always the number typically you go for six if we get that made to sign up yeah sometimes we you know have people drop and, and plug the website again recoveryadventures.org so god that whole thing with dads who lost their teenage is it son or daughter? you know man but listen hey but we had a dad that went and uh, i won't call his name but he knows who he is and he'll listen to this uh he he was on the verge of divorce he was already dividing assets his son was killed in a utv accident flipped mm. it over killed him instantly 16 years old whole life ah. in front of him uh they came up on the scene expecting to see a helicopter hauling him out instead they saw a sheet and uh the mama wanted to see it and so they pulled the sheet back and so there's just all this trauma so we go on a trip and uh and i put him in the cold water and um i mean I, I still have a text message from him he's like it changed my life so i came home and i want to work on my marriage now i have a renewed but we just worked on his nervous system right, right. You, you don't get that kind of trauma that doesn't stick in your nervous system because your rational brain wants to make sense of it and it can't because there's no sense to be made right but when it can it sends it to your nervous system which then goes oh you know and then it goes right back up your and rational it brain your, it fucked you up yeah and so man he's doing his practices he's doing cold showers which work just as well for those of y'all listening um he does yoga he does his breathing and he's really transformed his life that's crazy it's amazing i mean that's cold i mean cold water seems to be the answer it's big man because what it makes you do i mean there's a whole scientific aspect to it which we discussed but really what it makes you do is it puts you in a position where you're incredibly uncomfortable and you just have to remind yourself that you're okay and you have to stay still Every part of you wants to get out of that water, but it shows you that you can decide whether to get out or not. Yeah. You know, and then the cold itself has health benefits and benefits on your mind as well. But there's that decision point yep. where you're deciding to stay in the water. It's your decision, 100%. And once you do, you realize that not only am I okay, I feel better. I can do this. As a result yeah. of this choice to stay. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's pretty amazing. And it doesn't just have to be cold. Extreme heat, 
Um, that's why people get runners high. You know, you take off running, you're just concentrated on your breath and you're enduring these hours of pounding the pavement. Mm-hmm. It's, it all creates this same dynamic. It just kind of comes down to intention, right? If I'm intentionally doing something that makes me suffer, but then finding peace in and of myself during that suffering, then somehow just like encountering bears or encountering a moose or rock climbing up the side of the wall. When I get in this position to where everything in me wants nothing more than to get out of there, but yet I go, no, 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 no. I kind of love this. Yeah. I kind of want to stay right, right here. Right. Well, well, that's changes. where life is, is in the discomfort. And that's where it's uh, current, like being scared, but just I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. Right. Like it's. Well, it's interesting, though, that something on the other side. Evil, evil things or the... bad things, things that are destructive, like addiction, have the same allure to them. It's they just do. that the result is different. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, having that extra drink or watching that pornographic film or going and seeing that person that you know you shouldn't go and see, it has that same kind of allure of, like you're saying, kind of these situations, I want to get out of this situation. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know you shouldn't go do that, Mm -hmm. but something within you is like, nah, I'm going to go do it anyways. But it's, like you said, intention and result. Yep. Right. You know, the result of that's going to not be good for you. Yep. So can you make the decision not to go? Whereas in this case, you know, the result is likely going to be something beneficial to you, but it's hard. You know, David Goggins talks a lot about I this. love that guy. Yeah. He's I a mean, beast. This is where he lives. He's made a decision to be as often as possible in a state of suffering because of how beneficial he feels that it is. For his life. Have you read any of his books? I am pretty familiar with him. But my only, I love everything about him, but he's just a little too hard on himself. You know, we he have, to, we have yeah. to love ourselves, man. And when yeah. I go to get in that cold water, it's not because you son of a bitch getting that water, yeah. you piece yeah. of shit. <laughs> I don't sit there and look at the ice tub and go, I don't want to go, but I'm yeah. going to. I just go get in because yeah. I love myself, right? And if I love myself, then that's where my intention starts. Then yeah. I don't go see the person I just shouldn't be going to see. I don't shoot the heroin in my I don't over drink, overindulge in alcohol because I'm going, no, no, no. I love myself. I don't eat the excessive sweet because I'm, I've found a way to love myself. Most addicts hate ourselves and the church teaches us how to hate ourselves because they teach us we're born with original sin, which That's is right. bullshit. Yes. Yeah. And bullshit is a theological term in my word. It's bullshit. We're yeah. not born pieces of shit. We're born perfect. That's right. Perfect essence of who God wants us to be. And that God that wants us to be that is inside of every single person. If I had to even say when somebody says, where is God? It's in you. It's in me. It's in everything. God's not another place in some, you know, golden streets and pearly gates. God is in us. He's in DMT. That's a fact. Right? That's fascinating, man. That is fascinating. I mean, like, how do you feel? I guess there's probably not a better feeling than taking an ex-military guy or a dad. I mean, it and the feedback you get. Is it change every, like, on a percentage basis? Does it change everyone's life? Is it, like, cut and dry? Like, your life's changed. But it takes work. It takes continued work. Like, I, I would say it's, uh, I was talking to... That my, might be a kind of a vague, hard question to answer, and, you know, but... It's a great question, actually. I was okay. talking to my yoga teacher about great two job. weeks ago, and Good she job, said, Katie. um, she talks about your dharma. And I don't know if you guys know what dharma is, but dharma is your purpose in the in the yoga tradition. Is that, like, an Indian? I, I thought I yeah. heard that. In, okay. Yeah, in Sanskrit. And so, my dharma is to be a teacher it has been it's been my whole life I just didn't know it you know I was moving in that direction and so 
I'm a teacher without attachment to the outcomes of other people's lives. So I teach Mm, without any expectation, right? So when I teach somebody and whether it's, you know, we're walking down the trail and I'm showing them, you know, what long broadleaf plantain looks like or a pip sisawa or this is a sourwood tree you can chew on the leaves or, you know, this is a a chicken of the woods mushroom or this is a a chanterelle. Or if I'm teaching them how to do breath work or if I'm putting them in cold water and explaining the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, I'm giving them information that has worked for me and what they do with it, I have no control over. Most teachers want to control the outcomes. I do not. I just give it to them and they do. And what I have found is if you brought, I don't know how many people we've taken out in the woods, let's say I've taken 50. And if you brought all 50 of them in here, you might find two that would say, yeah, my life wouldn't really change by that. The other 48, and we've got video of it all. They're like, I'll never be the same. We get 30 day surveys back from them. Same thing. And it's not me. It's just nature and the information. Right. And right. And you're just showing them. It's like, uh, give a man a fish, you'll feed him for a day and try to teach him how to fish and he'll be able to feed his him his family and everybody else he comes into you know counter with hey once again thanks for listening to the manfuse podcast join the show by hitting us up at manfuse.com check out our manfuse merch or you can give us a call at 770-744-5227 we'll talk to you tomorrow